This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the program where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company all across the, this great big land of ours. It could be movies in the theme parks. It could be movies in your living room. It could be movies in the theater like we're going to talk about today. But if it's a film and it's Disney, we're going to talk about it. And we'll get to them all eventually right here. I'm Brian Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with these guys, we do DisneyFilmProject.com, which is your source for all the greatest and latest and sometimes many, many moons ago in Disney film. So you should check it out over there at DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can see all the great news about Disney films, show notes for the show, blogs, and all kinds of fun stuff. And the people who help me do that are the amazing film buffs who you, you have come to know and love. Uh, let's give it up, everyone, for Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger at touringplans.com. He is chief technical officer at disneydrivenlife.com. He works at onthego and mco.com, and I believe he manages IT for S.H.I.E.L.D. Shh! You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> Sorry, I won't, I won't say a word. It's okay. We, okay. Will, we will take care of you. Yes. <laughs> you have reached the life model decoy of Ryan Kilpatrick. Uh, but also joining us with that infectious laugh you can hear in the background it is Miss Brianna Alessio who you can find over Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com she she and I are are loving the month of October on TCM that's what I can tell you I cannot get enough of Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing together in TCM horror movies I just love it I I don't believe it's possible to have too much of that Seriously, I, I love it. All the Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi films, it's just wonderful. Everyone's listening now, like, who are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> they should go watch Turner Classic Movies and watch all these great old horror movies. They should. Educate yourself, people. It's important. Absolutely. Welcome to October. Yep. Yes. We also have the fine producer of this program who edits all of this together and makes it sound like we know what we're talking about, and that is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash CherylP3 or on Twitter at CherylP3. How are you, Miss Perlmutter? I'm doing well, and you can send donations for tracing paper to I have no idea. We'll find a place. It's, it's all right. We'll set up an, a PayPal account or something because it needs to come back. That's what I'm saying. I, I think it was right one of our listeners also had a moment of silence for tracing paper. It's very I, important. I, it's true. And I almost it's... removed it, which was funnier. <laughs> so I was not a part of that podcast episode, but I seriously think that the Animation Academy should give out tracing paper. It would make it so much easier. That's a good point. It's a very good point. I mean, they won't give you erasers, so they might as well do that. Yeah. Very and everything will be new again. Exactly. That's right. All right. 
So tonight we discuss the latest in news on Disney film, and I just have two words for all three of you. Colson lives. Yes. <laughs> that is the latest news, yes. isn't it? it that is. is the important thing we can we can talk about this evening. I know you downloaded the show, you saw we're gonna review Frank and Weedy, and we are. But the most important thing here, people, Colson lives. If you missed it, at New York Comic Con, Marvel announced that Clark Gregg, whom we all know and love as Mr. Phil Coulson, will be back in the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, written and produced by Joss Whedon and heading off onto ABC, I'm, soon, I'm sure very soon, or this, this coming fall, a year from now. As we predicted on this very podcast. Dun, dun, dun. So- so, if there's anything any of you would like for us to predict, uh, as, as Cheryl said, we are accepting donations. Except for Laurie numbers, we don't do that. No, no. we don't do that. That's very true. Mm-mm. No, we know what else is going to happen, though. So. We, we even practically started a hashtag, don't forget. Yes. We yes, we, we most, did. We most certainly did. All right, I just, I just wanted to point that out because we were right. Colson is alive, and yay us. But we are here tonight to talk about Frankenweenie, the very latest from Disney uh, in, in theaters now. It's Tim Burton returning to old material, which you don't get a lot from Tim Burton. I was, I was personally very surprised when they announced that he was going to do this film. Not that it's out of his wheelhouse, but he'd already done it before. Twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't you tell the, the kind people about the former versions of Frankenweenie, Todd? I, I can do that. I really can. Um, so here, here's the fun part, right? That, so this uh, Frankenweenie is a remake of a 1984 short film by Tim Burton. Um, it has been 28 years since he made that movie, folks. Okay, the original one. Uh, it was 29 minutes long. He made it for an estimated $1 million, and guess what? Disney fired him over it. Yes, they did. <laughs> because if, was, you, if you remember correctly, Tim Burton was an animator. And he was supposed to be drawing things with a pencil. Yes. And he, but he was really, truly infatuated with stop-motion animation. Okay? Yes, uh, th- this, uh, this movie, the, reason, the real reason why, though, that Disney ended up fi- firing him was that it did not test well with children. Made them cry. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. was, it, it was originally supposed to uh, be the pre- the movie that they show before the movie for uh, the Pinocchio re-release in 1984 when it was released in movie theaters and uh, it didn't happen. Um, it nope. was, however, uh, it, be- it was the censored version was uh, released on VHS uh, once Burton became famous. And eventually when they first put Night Before Christmas on DVD, they released the uncensored version on the DVD for the first time ever. Many moons after the original. Many moons. However, that 1984 short film was a remake of a 1982 Burton short named Vincent. Okay. Ah. Uh, which is about a boy who uh, was very macabre. Yeah. Right. He he dreamt only of things that were Vincent Price and Edgar Allan Poe. It's an interesting short because it's basically narrated by a narrator, which I think is Burton himself, but I'm not sure. And he reads a 
what is a poem of about Vincent and how he experiments on his dog and wants a zombie dog and it's his dog is named Abercrombie though and eventually like in this movie the dog appears in Frankenstein makeup it's only about six minutes long and uh, the kid you know drives his mother crazy with all his experiments and on 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 like that and that's where all of this comes from but that's not just where this comes from that's where his ideas for Nightmare Before Christmas come from Edward Scissorhand, Corpse Bride, everything yep. originates from that original six-minute short for wow. Tim Burton. Yeah, um, if, if you couldn't tell that that he was a, a huge fan of the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials mm. from, from Nightmare Before Christmas, you could tell it from that earlier work and from this. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. In fact, there are clearly things that are directly from that movie in this. Uh, like, for example... Just to jump ahead, when the rat turns into the chupacabra, yes. Okay, um, <laughs> that actually is. Um, there's a, some of the artwork for the original Vincent stuff has um, him Vincent casting a shadow of that exact rat image. Ah, so, yeah. interesting things. Things like that, or the dog with all the antennas stuck out of its head while he tries to electrocute it in Vincent. Things like that. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> cute, cute stuff like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, cute, lovable right. stuff. Yeah. I mean, what's more heartwarming than giant monsters? Nothing. Godzilla, all cuddly. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this this is a film that does feature giant monsters, and it's amazing that that wouldn't test well for children. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, either. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, but Disney, Disney in the deal they made with Tim Burton to do the Alice in Wonderland film, the, the new Johnny Depp version, included doing this film as well. So this was uh, hot on the heels of that. This was the next movie that, that Burton would start work on for Disney. They started work on it uh, two years ago in 2010 and finished it in time to come out for the Halloween season this year. Uh, definitely a case of unfortunate timing, I would say, because there's – a CG animated Halloween themed film from Sony, as well as another stop motion Halloween themed film that came out within three weeks of this with Hotel Transylvania and Paranorman. So that might have sucked a little bit of the box office away because this has not yet, as of yet, performed very well at the box office. No. I mean, when we went to see it, the theater was practically empty, and we saw it last weekend. Yes, and I saw it on Sunday, and it was very similar. There was maybe 12, 14 people in there. Uh, it's it's not yet made its budget back, but it will. Uh, it was a low-budget feature to begin with. so It's not like Disney's losing money hand over fist like John Carter, but they are not uh, getting, what shall we say, Nightmare Before Christmas uh, holiday edition returns from it. Although I have a feeling that Disney wanted this movie as something to that they will be able to market for years to come during the Halloween season. Yeah, I mean, well, Nightmare Before Christmas didn't perform well initially, right? It knew money later, so it's pretty track record for yeah for Burton in this sort of film. Well, it's a similar it's a similar thing to if you remember the Polar Express, you oh, know that, that mo- movie. Yeah, that movie didn't do very well in the box office either, but it's done so very very well in re-release and DVD and Blu-ray and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, or I'm, actually I'm not sure if it's on Blu-ray, but same idea, right? They tried it out for the holidays and they make it another, you know, twenty million dollars or so. Yeah, that's one of my favorite Christmas films. I love that one. Yep, it's a good one. Yep. Uh, all right. So before I know there's going to be some people who haven't seen this. So before we dive into the plot itself, what uh, let, should we give an overall? You know what we thought. And overall, what we thought. So you want yeah, our, rating, just, our ratings up front? No, 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 not a rating, but just you know, I think I think uh, I haven't talked to you guys. I mean, would you recommend people go out and make the effort while it's still in theaters? I think no. People, I think people who are <laughs> Tim Burton fans are probably going to want to go see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I also feel that a number of them will be disappointed. I think I for the agree. most part, you should just wait for the DVD release. I agree with Brianna. I uh, I will third that yes, yeah it's it's I I, I wouldn't say that it's a bad movie I mm-hmm. also wouldn't say it's a good one it's just kind of there. If I'm gonna yeah. pay fifteen dollars for it, I'd rather pay fifteen dollars and be able to watch it again or give it to somebody else to watch, like my brother-in-law who loves who loves this stuff and eats up. Yeah, I, and I I will say you could probably Cheryl's right you could probably skip the 3D on this movie by the way for sure I didn't see anything that the 3D brought to this movie. Yeah, and I actually, well, we saw it in 3D, and I saw there was a couple of occasions where it actually wasn't uh, 3D. Like, if you took the glasses off, you know? Uh, I know, I always do that. I kept taking my glasses off. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of spots in the movie where there actually was no 3D. Yeah. Filmmakers, or I don't know if it's the filmmakers, but studios like to cheat a little bit, especially on films like this that are not necessarily, I don't know if this was shot in 3D and then, or if it was up-converted. But you'll see a lot of times on upconverted films they will they will cheat a little bit. They oh. showed the sh- they showed the shooting of this because I mean I watched this. Yeah, oh, no, no, the- yeah, but I mean I know how stop motion works. I mean I knew what pretty much what they're t- they were more showing how stop motion works okay. and how they did that they did do multiple cameras and stuff like that. So you know, right. but you know it's what it is. Yeah. So. If you I, love I think, monster, now wait, wait though. If you love old monster movies, it's probably a big win. Yes, that's very true. Well, and I will say this: I've seen. Uh, I haven't seen Paranorman yet. I have heard from people who have seen it that it's pretty good. I have seen Hotel Transylvania, and I've seen Frank and Weenie. I, uh, if you want to go to the movie theater and see a family safe Halloween theme movie, this is the one I would go. I would go to. Yeah. That said, I don't really feel the need that you need to go do that when you can watch a bazillion others in the comfort of your own home. All right. There you go. All right. So if you have not seen Frank and Weenie, you can go ahead and pause the show, come back uh, if you don't want it spoiled for you. If you do want it spoiled for you, just keep listening because we're going to do that in great detail because that's what we do. And when you come back, bring cookies. Please. Double stuff Oreo would be best. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We'll wait. Yeah. All right. No, no, go get them. It's okay. Okay. We'll be here. We'll be here. <laughs> All right. Go get them. When, we, when you come back, we'll, we'll have cookies. All right. Yeah. So, Frank and Weenie is the story of a young boy named Victor uh, in a shocking homage to Frankenstein. He's actually named Victor Frankenstein. I thought that was uh, a little bold, but whatever. Uh, he lives with his parents, and we open the movie sh- with him showing the amateur film that he's made. Have, by the way, has anyone ever noticed that People who do a lot of writing and directing and have their own voice, they often fit amateur filmmakers into their movies. 
Well, I think it might have been an homage to himself as when he was a kid. Oh, I'm sure it was. Burton, yeah. It's just one of those things you notice, like Spielberg does it, J.J. Uh, Abrams does it a lot. There's, there's lots of people who like to fit amateur filmmakers into their movie, I think, uh, as a character they can relate to. But that's a whole other topic. Yes. Uh, yeah. But they're showing uh, the, a film that he's made of a, a fake monster movie. And he set up the boxes and the toys and everything, and this monster, uh, it's like a pterodactyl. It's is coming. Rodan. Yeah. And his dog, Sparky, is the one that has to come in to save the day. Sparky comes in and knocks everything over and uh, knocks Rodan out of the way and saves the day, and that's, that's the film. And that's the opening sequence of, the, of Frankenweenie, and we see the relationship between Victor and his parents and Victor and Sparky. Uh, and they do, a, I think, a really good job of building up uh, Sparky and Victor as protagonists of the movie. Yeah. They do. I, th- I think their relationship is good, and it, it, it's, it's the whole point of the movie, though. I mean, without that relationship, the movie doesn't really happen, right? Yep, absolutely. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and that's one of the things I give them credit for is, like, I, I kind of felt like, and I was talking about this with Sally on the way home, is I feel like the marketing almost kind of ruined a big part of the movie because you knew you knew what the movie was about going in, and I don't think there was any way you're going to avoid that. But there's a, there's moments that were in the trailer that felt like you should have earned that by going through this part of the movie, like specifically when the dog wakes up, you know, when he you think he's not going to but he does right. yeah yeah exactly. like i i'd seen that f- literally 50 times already so yeah. it didn't have quite as much emotional punch no as opposed to like up which has a very similar beginning yes right yeah. you know the the emotion was there because they didn't spoil all that exactly yeah i it, i feel like disney has kind of lost their touch on how to market some of these movies based off odd life of timothy green and this one but that's a whole other story. Another mm. diversion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the next bit that we get, though, is Victor gets introduced to uh, the school environment. You know, Sparky has to stay home while he goes to school, and we get the parallelism of Victor going to school and Sparky at home investigating the backyard. He's playing with a baseball, and he uh, sees Persephone, the next-door neighbor, dog and kind of rolling the ball back and forth while Victor's leaving the house and we get the most blatant homage to the old Rankin Bass as Victor walks out the front door and the next door neighbor, Mr. Burgermeister yes. interrupts him. <laughs> Love yes. it. Yes. <sighs> which is, and he which even is. looks like Mr. Burgermeister. It's, it's Mr. Meisterburger because the character's name is Burgermeister Meisterburger and Santa Claus is coming to town, just to be clear. That's right. Yes. It, so which also, if you haven't seen, you should. Yeah. It also looks like the uh, guy from Corpse Bride, too. It's like somewhere between the two of them. Yeah. So I guess looked like Burger Meister Meister Burger also. So I guess it's, you know, circle thing. It's just crazy that they, he actually just named him that, though. Well, you know, it's what it is. I mean, yeah. Bur- a burger, I, he can get away with it, right? Because a Burger Meister is an actual title, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he can absolutely get away with it. Sure. So, and then uh, I, his niece is living next door with her, with him as well. Uh, his, I didn't, I didn't realize his niece's name was um, Elsa until like the very end. It's Did they Elsa, say it at the beginning? Her name is Elsa Van Helsing. Yes. 
right? So that's so you so you have to pet. So let's go. Let's just say again, like we said a few a few minutes back, is this is a movie writhed with horror and monster movie references left and right. Oh, can I say what the Elsa references for? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I believe I didn't see this anywhere, but I believe that the Elsa pays homage to Elsa Lancaster, who played the Bride of Frankenstein. You are most probably correct. Yes. That's what I wrote down also. Can I ask okay. if the Van Helsing part is, is directed to the vampire guy? Dracula. The Van yes, Helsing is, the, is a primary character in <laughs> Dracula, right? Primary character? Yeah. yeah, he slays the vampires, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Bram Stoker's original Dracula novel is okay. where Van Helsing comes from. Right. Also, also important to note that Persephone, the dame, right, is... Mm-hmm would be the wife of Hades, who's the lord of the underworld. So again, they keep working this stuff in, but it gets better because she's also, because she's played by Winona Ryder, she's a dead ripoff of Lydia from Yes! From Beetlejuice, yes. Okay, who is also played by Winona Ryder, so there you go. Yeah, if you're yeah, this is a good point. If you're a Tim Burton fan and you like all of his earlier movies, like before some of the more recent stuff that's kind of gone off the deep end, just my opinion. Uh, there are tons and tons and tons of references to his earlier work in this movie, like all over the place. Yeah, yeah. We, From the beginning just, to the end of his career, basically. So. Yep, exactly. Because they go, they when they go to school, Elsa and Victor go to school, and they sit in this class. They meet the new science teacher, whose name is Mister Rizkruski. Rice Krispie. Rice Krispie. Rice yes. Krispie. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the theater watching this with my mom. I looked over at her and I said, Mom. She says, what? I said, I want a Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. It only sounded like Rice Krispie because it was his accent, but it was everybody right. else was saying Rice Krispie the whole movie. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I love it. And, and he – so this is a reference to two people that – uh, that Burton worked with or or admired. The design of Mr. Rice Krispie is Vincent Price. Yes. That we mentioned, you mentioned Vincent already. Yep. Yeah. Well, Vincent uh, Price was his last, Vincent Price's last movie was Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Which is sad because the man was brilliant. Yes, he was. He really was. But Especially but, this time of year, you get to see some of his best work. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, fair. But uh, Mr. Rice Krispie is voiced by Martin Landau, who actually yes. won an Academy Award with Burton uh, per- performing as Bella Lugosi. In Ed Wood. In Ed Wood. Bella Lugosi, most famous for portraying? Dracula. Dracula. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Bert- by the way, Burton was... Um, is- I, I would say he's probably one of the biggest uh, Vincent Price fans on the planet, not to mention one of oh, the yeah. biggest Martin Landau fans on the planet, which is why he has worked with both of them, because he practically insisted they work with him. Yes. Yeah. Begged, insisted. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, so that they, when they go to school, it's Mr. Rice Krusky or Rice Krispie who's telling them about science and in this thick European accent. And basically going on a diatribe about how science is and all these sorts of things that some of the other kids are, are a little taken aback and Victor's just, you know, like dialed in completely on what he's saying. It's 
it's pretty funny. I mean, rather, rather amusing to watch uh, Martin Landau's voice and, and this puppet acting this out. It, it's also important to note that all the kids in the classroom are pretty much references to television shows, horror movies. Oh, yeah. And on and on and on. I mean, there's a, one of the girls, I think she's the one sitting right behind Vincent, is a dead ringer for Tuesday Adams. Yes. Right, so. Well, and there's, there's uh, Nasser, who uh, is, is one of the kids, is yes. Frankenstein. Yes, he's, he's <laughs> so designed to look like Boris Karl- Karloff. When you, if you look at young pictures of Boris Karloff, he's almost a dead ringer as an, anim- as an animated character. He really is, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, but wait, wait, it gets better. You know what, you know what Nasser is in Egyptian? What? I, I do not. Vincent. Oh! Crazy. That's so cool. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's a bit, bit much there. So yeah. That, that's the thing. Like maybe Tim Burton's not for everyone, but his attention to detail is impeccable. It really is. Yes. Since we're at the point of talking about the cast and people, can we talk a little bit more about the voices? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I also, if you're a big Martin Short fan, you'll love this movie. Amen, sister. Because <laughs> Martin Short was not only Mr. Frankenstein, Mr. Burgermeister, and Nazar. Yes, he was. And then we have two Star Wars, not one, but two oh, Star Wars references. No, in this no, movie. no, no. We have five Star Wars references in this Whoa! Movie. Good grief. Well, Cheryl, can give the, Cheryl can give the two that she knows, and I'll give the other ones. Um, I have Tom Kenny. Yup. And D. Bradley Baker. Right. <gasps> Woohoo! So in this movie, Tom Kenny does all the townspeople that don't have main parts or names, right? But he is Newt Gunray in the Clone Wars. So the the movie and the animated stuff. So just so you know that. Dee Bradley Baker, as you know, is um, all of the clone troopers in the Clone Wars. (laughs) Every single one. Uh, He's (laughs) also on the upcoming Detour show that they're going to do. He's doing Jabba the Hutt. Not sure if you knew that. I did oh. not know that. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Gets better. Jeff Bennett, who plays Kyle Katarn, who is the main character in the Jedi Knight video games, does okay. also the modern voice of Mr. Smee. Smee! Yes. Smee! Uh, it does the voice of the sea monkeys, or the noises of the sea monkeys. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. Frank Weller, who we've mentioned before. Does anybody remember where we mentioned him? Frank Welker? Yeah. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me think, let me think. Think with Google? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I was that quick. It was uh, the movie you bought us. The computer that wore tennis shoes? Yeah, he's Henry from the computer that wore tennis shoes. No way. Yes. We mentioned this How before. How awesome is that? Yeah, because he's also, um, he's the guy who does the voice of Fred, right, in um, Scooby-Doo. Yes, that's right, that's right, yes. He's a boo from Aladdin, and he also is the voice of Megatron, the the evil Transformer. And he's Dr. Claw, too, right? I'm not sure, maybe? I think he's my Dr. Claw, I think Um, he's Dr. Claw. But he's he's also in tons of Star Wars video games, by the way. But wait, you're, you're completely overlooking one Star Wars reference in this movie. But maybe I should save it for later. One more voice I wanted to mention. Yeah. Is um, Con- I'm gonna pronounce her name wrong. 
Please forgive me, people, if you're an only law person. Conchata Farrell? Farrell. Mm -hmm. She yes. has done um, L.A. Law. Yes. <laughs> so we get we get that scene, and we get, of course, Sparky interacting with everyone. And what's But when Victor comes home, basically his father, they have this conversation right at the beginning of the movie, but it's deepened later in that his father wants Victor to interact with other kids a little more, right? Victor doesn't talk to the other kids, uh, which now that you know that they're all based on monsters, why would he? But, you know. <laughs> he doesn't talk to the other kids. He doesn't play with the other kids. His father wants him... Uh, Victor wants to get into the science fair because Mr. Rice Krispie announced that there's a science fair. And all the kids apparently are scientists. By the way, the most unrealistic part of this movie is not the giant monsters. It's that there's only 12 kids in that class. In the whole school, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is up with that? Well, did you, did you recognize the town? Right? It's, it's New Holland. I did not recognize the right, town, right. though. It, it's New Holland, but it's pretty much an exact knockoff of the town in Edward Scissorhands. Okay, that's yes. what I was thinking. Yes. Me too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right down to, like, like directions that they walk on the street and stuff like that are, like, almost exactly out of the Edward Scissorhands movie. It's crazy. Is Which, Victor's house the same? That, you know what? I haven't seen Edward Scissorhands recently enough to be sure of that, but I am sure about the, the town thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is the town. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, by the way, in Edward Scissorhands, the town doesn't have a name, so. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, so Victor, Victor wants to enter the science fair, and he needs his father to sign the permission slip. His father worried about him uh, not you know, interacting with the other kids. Uh, forces him to sign up to play baseball, because apparently that's what all the other kids are doing. Every other kid in the school, all, 12, all 11 of them, is playing baseball, is what I'm getting. Except for, the, <laughs> except for the weird girl with the cat. And we're not sure who they're playing against, because apparently it's each other and 12 people. That's not too full fieldings. Yeah, I don't know how that works out. But <laughs> Let me tell you something. That weird girl needs to lay off the caffeine. That, that's yeah. her name, you know. That's her character name is weird. I know. She yeah. really needs to. Woo. Yeah, well, you know who she's based on, right? Did you, did you know that? She's based on someone? Who's that? I did not know. So he, um, Tim Burton, when I say he, by the way, uh, he wrote a book of sh short stories. And um, one of them is called The Staring Girl, and that's who she's based on. And if you look up The Staring Girl, it's exactly her when you see oh. the pictures. Okay. That's neat. So basically we just pulled all of his old stuff out and kind of swirled it around a little bit to make this movie, is what you're telling me. Yes. By the way, the book is The Melancholy Death of Oyster Boy and Other Stories. Okay. Why, why would you really need other stories at that point? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. So they, they convince Victor to go and play baseball, and which, of course, is not going well. You know, Spark, Sparky comes, breaks loose from, his, from where he's tied up and comes to see Victor, and uh, Victor swings and misses the first two times, hits the ball the final time, hits a home run, it, it should be noted. So yes. good on you, Victor. Uh, but the ball goes out into the street, and Sparky, who's been playing with the baseball in the backyard between he and Persephone, Goes after the baseball, and I think you know where this is going. Squish. Yes. Poor Sparky. Loses his spark. Yes, he does. Really, Todd? Really? I went there. Oh. Yeah. Wow. But 
I, I was with them at this point, right? Like, I didn't cry, but I felt... But honestly, I might have cried if I hadn't seen, you know, the fact that he was coming back to life in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. Like I said, that, that, they, that they sold it the way they did kind of took, like, all the, you know, moments out of the movie. So, but... And this yeah. is one of them. It was there. It may, like I said, though, it's believable because the relationship was believable up until this point. Absolutely right. Yeah. So, like literally, the only thing that robbed this moment of its poignance was the, the fact that I had seen Sparky come back to life fifty times before I sat down in the in the theater. Yes. <laughs> oh goodness! I cried anyway. Yeah, as Char- as well you should. Charles did too. It was good. I mean, they did a really good job. It's and that's why the next part of the movie where. Uh, you know, Victor's really sad and he's upset that Sparky's there. That's where they started to lose me a little bit because, and again, it's because I knew what was going to happen. And, like, that's not even the marketing's fault. It's, I mean, that's what the movie's about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like everyone knows that's what the, it's on, it's Frankenweenie. It's about a dog being raised from the dead. His name's Frankenstein. I think everyone can figure it out. And not that it wasn't good and necessary, but, you know, it's just like, okay, let's get to the point where he's going to reanimate the dog because we know that's going to happen. Because what has to happen is they take um, Victor, go, you know, they have to bury Sparky, uh, go through the, the scene in the bedroom where his parents are trying to console him. He goes to school the next day, and Mr. Rice Krispie has dead frog that he hooks a car battery up to and shows them how the electricity will make the frog move. And, and this, of course, gets Victor very happy. Yeah, Victor. Victor, I was doodling Sparky, and then he draws lightning bolts around Sparky. Remember, hearkening back to Mr. Rice Krispie's initial conversation with the children about a man dying by a lightning bolt. Yes. Exactly. Which was terrifying. Yeah. Well, we also learned that apparently it rains every night, and it has massive lightning storms every night in this town of New Holland. Yes, which they never really explain. They just like, hey, this is what happens. Deal with it. Move on. Well, all the kids look like monsters too. They don't explain that either. Yeah. Well, you have enough kids together. They do look like monsters. Yeah, it's just the town that lives in Tim Burton's head. That's a very good point. I agree. I like that. Yeah. Very, very good point. But. So of course, you, if you've seen any any promotion for this movie, you know what happens next. They Victor builds a lab up in the uh, in this attic of his house, uh, uses lightning. Three, he flies kites out the uh, skylight and uses lightning to reanimate Sparky, and everything's happy from that point forward, right? Mm. No. For the next five minutes. Yeah, for the next five minutes. That's, that's very quick. That. Because Victor Victor has to, you know, he, he has to go to school. So he's got to keep Sparky hidden. You know, everyone would be upset if they found out that he brought his dog back from the dead. Yeah. So, that tends so, to go over poorly. So when he goes to the graveyard, right, and he steals the dog out of the grave, Sparky, right, there's a couple of uh, references that are in that interim scene. One is that one of these tombstones clearly has Zero's dog Zero's doghouse on it. Yes. Right? The Zero being the dog from Nightmare Before Christmas. The other thing is, what movie are the parents watching? <gasps> the Horror oh. of Dracula. 
Yes. Who is who stars in the horror of Dracula? Christopher Lee, people. Then, then who's our final Star Wars reference for this episode? Christopher Lee, people. <laughs> <laughs> because Count he was Count Dooku or Darth Tyrannus, depending on you know which side of talking you want to talk. And you know what's really interesting that Frank is the only film in 36 years to show his portrayal of Dracula, which is, and it's always surreal in itself to see live action and animation collaborate anyhow. But like yeah. to see, see it like that with them watching, you know, on television, that was really neat. Well, it's interesting because usually it's the other way around, right? It's usually the animation is in the live action, but here the live action is in the animation. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. absolutely. So, yeah, while Victor has, uh, he's gone to school, he's reanimated the dog, and then he has to go back to school. Well, Sparky is tied up in the attic. But the weird girl's cat gets up there somehow, and he go, leaves and starts chasing it and runs around the neighborhood. And he gets seen by Edgar. Yes. Better known Ed- as Edgar E. Gore. Yes. Yes, so Edgar Gore would be a reference to the Son of Frankenstein character, Igor, right? Which yes. was not spelled Igor. Igor was a like typo done by Hollywood, right? Yes. If I remember correctly, that's how that came to be. So mm-hmm. the original character was Y-G-O-R, not I-G-O-R as you're used to it. Uh, also, because it's important to note that a lot of people think it comes from Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but the character that was the assistant to, to Victor von Frankenstein in the original Mary Shelley novel was named Fritz and did happen to be a hunchback. Oh, uh, yeah. So, but Igor is, was played by, in, in Son of Frankenstein, who played Igor? Uh-huh. I feel like um, I should know this. Millard Fillmore. No, Bella Lugosi played <laughs> Igor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> okay. So, and, and Atticus Schaefer, the little kid from uh, the middle, does the uh, voice for Igor here. He was brilliant. Yes, he was. He was. You, you know why? Because he based the voice off of Peter Lorre. Oh yeah, and right, and and the kid, and he's a young kid, so for him to have the capability and knowledge to do that, yeah, is is pretty good. Cheryl, do you know what you how you know Atticus Schaefer? Do you know no. what show you watch regularly that he stars in? He he does Albert on Fish Hooks. Also. I haven't watched Fish Hooks in a little bit. Ah, been too busy with Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls. Fans and Ferb. <laughs> All right. We're just going to mention Gravity Falls every episode from now on, by the way. Is that okay? It really seems that way, yes. Okay. I, I have to get on board with this. So Edgar sees the dog, comes over to Victor's house to visit, uh, and says, you know, I won't tell your secret if you will do the same thing for me. I want you to bring something back to life for me. He goes to the pet store, buys a dead goldfish. <laughs> Creepy. Yes. <laughs> and gets Victor to reanimate the dead goldfish. Now... Here was my question. Yeah. So, the goldfish is in a jar of water. Yes. Water conducts electricity, as we all know. Yes. But he doesn't have to put screws in the fish? Like he does Sparky? Well, I think he had to put Sparky back together, right? That was part of it. The fish was kind of like a whole piece. Right, but aren't the screws like what he uses to get the electricity going through i guess i mean the, so here i mean it got hit by lightning and the water didn't evaporate right so i mean yeah that's, had to be, yeah so there's lots of there's lots of weirdness with this but let's 
Let's not think too much about science for a moment. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, I, it, it's, I, it's, it's interesting for sure. I, I don't know, because like, he, he sticks the rod into the water, right? That's pretty much what he does. Yes. Mm-hmm. I guess that's enough. I, I would suppose. I don't know. It's we, we not don't... enough for Ryan Kilpatrick. Yeah, That's we right. Don't, we don't actually know if the bolts were needed to resurrect Sparky. It's just what he did. Because, again, they're paying homage to Frankenstein's monster to begin with. So <laughs> This is very true. This is very true. Yeah. But regardless, what ends up happening is the fish comes back to life. The problem being it is invisible. We don't really know why that is either. Yes. It's, uh... Yeah, which is obviously an Invisible Man reference. Again, we keep you'll get this later on when we talk more about the movie. But yes, Invisible, Invisible I Man. Easy. Think I, I think I know why he was invisible. Um, not like scientifically speaking, but I think because Mr. Rice Krispie, what he said later, I don't want to give away anything, but, you know, basically about um, right. them not performing experiments out of love. Yeah, it's a good point, because while Edgar goes off, of course, his only interest in this is, you know, either winning the science fair or monetary gain or just, you know, having a secret or whatever it is. Uh, You know, Victor's doing it to keep Edgar quiet. So while Edgar goes off and shows all the other kids after he promised that he wouldn't... Because quiet works real well for Edgar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next day, Victor talks to Mr. Rice Krispie and says, you know, I did this experiment once and it worked great, and then I did it again and it didn't work at all, and it's exactly what you mentioned, Bree. You know, he he says to him, well, you know, the first time did you do it because you loved it? And he's like, yeah, the second time did you do it because you had to? And he admitted that he did. And he said, yeah. well, science is as much from the heart as it is from the brain. Yeah, and the equation change. He said, he said what you felt at the time is part of the equation. It shouldn't be ignored. That's yes. basically what he says. So, In other words, people, when you're trying to reanimate your dead pets, love them. Do it, do it for the right reasons. It's so true. It's so true. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but all all the other kids, of course, are very jealous because they want to win the science fair because apparently there is nothing else in this town except winning the science fair and baseball. making movies and baseball. And Dutch Day. Dutch and Day. Dutch Day. Very, very good point. Because <laughs> the, the neighbor, Mr. Mr. Meisterberger, is trying to train Elsa to sing on Dutch Day, which is apparently a very important thing that's going to happen. Well, he's like the town mayor, right? That's what's my opinion. Yes. Of the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and uh, sorry because I I wasn't I kind of sort of missed if they actually said that in the movie or it wasn't clear I couldn't tell which but it felt like he was the mayor, and Dutch Day was very important to him. That's all we really knew. Yes, that's all you really need to know. You know, because Burgermeister is a nice Dutch name. Of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing German about it. No. Not at all. No, not in the least. <laughs> So Victor Victor realizes that, and then while the other kids are getting jealous and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about uh, winning the science fair, it's uh, Toshiaki, who's the uh, the Japanese kid, and Bob decide to do this experiment. Uh, Toshiaki decide, sees this picture of a rocket and decides that he is going to turn Bob into a flying rocket person. 
finish it by putting shaken up soda bottles on him. The Rocketeer. <laughs> Definitely a Rocketeer reference. For sure. Can I just can I just say that the experiment might have gone a little better if they had not used Bob. Bob yes. was getting a little extra weight. Yes, Bob might not was have... a bad idea. I think they should have gone with to- what's his name? Tokusha. What do you say? Tokiyashi, to- 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 yeah. Tokiyashi, yeah. I think they should have gone with him. Yes. There's a reason why Tokiyashi looks and dresses the way he does, but I don't want to get to it until we get to the other thing. I love his obsession with his camera. I think it's hilarious how he's constantly it has his little camera out just filming yeah. everything. Yes. Well, he's he's recording it. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he happens to pull it out at the most inopportune moments, which we will get to later. It's it's for posterity, but again, there's a reason for all that, so trust me. Yeah. Yes. But this doesn't go well because he has Bob on the roof and he pulls the caps off the soda bottles and Bob speeds off the roof at the speed of approximately half a mile an hour. If that. Yeah. Falls and breaks his arm. And for some reason, Bob's mother blames this on Mr. Rice Krispie. Because <laughs> all the science fair's fault. It was, right, yes. it's the fault of the science fair. Which right. wasn't started by Mr. Rice Krispie. He was the new teacher. <laughs> but, but hey. But to be fair, he doesn't help himself when they hold the town lynching or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> right? Because they have this town meeting and they call him to defend himself. And he walks up there and says that basically everyone in the town is ignorant. So he has to put his faith in the younger generation and crack their heads open and fill it with science. <laughs> yeah. He but, really won, won the day with that it's one. extremely graphic about it. Very. <laughs> Victor's parents are hysterical in this scene because they feel such pain during this entire thing, right? They're like face-palming through the whole thing. Because <laughs> it was their idea he'd come up and defend himself. Yes. Yeah. So it was... Uh, That's so good. Yeah, it was a very good scene. I mean, but basically, because Martin Landau, I mean, I want to know if he managed to do that one take because that would be so amazing if he could, if he did that because that whole speech he gives is one of, it's literally the funniest moment in the movie I think it really is you know he what probably... speech just reminded me of what the one in Ratatouille where where Anton Ego does his speech to um, yes. yeah. yeah he resembles him a little bit too yeah the the body movements are very similar yeah mm-hmm. that's right yeah. Yes, so, of course, Mr. Rice Krispie gets fired, gets sent on his merry way. He gives a nice uh, speech to Victor before he leaves and talks about that, uh, you know, what we talked about before, about how Victor could be a good scientist and, and all that sort of thing. But meanwhile, the other Hold kids... Hold on, you forgot the other half of the speech. I did. Everyone in his country is a scientist, even his plumber was a scientist. Oh. That's right, but the the talk, yeah, even his plumber was a scientist and been, got the Nobel Prize in something or other. Right. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I mean, I, I, I'll tell my reading after, but I just thought that was, that was funny. <laughs> it was. It really was. <laughs> This was, this was I, I will say this, I'm not, I have not been a huge fan of, of Burton's work recently, like Alice in Wonderland and Dark Shadows, specifically. But this was much more in the vein of his older stuff. In that it had that humor and it was, you know, it had a good story and there was a plot that actually continued the entire way through the movie and didn't disappear after the first 20 minutes. 
Yeah, well, I think, by the way, the, um, the reason why they make this reference is, right, Albert Einstein, right? If you remember, he said, if, if I had my life to live over again, I'd be a plumber, and he did get the Nobel Prize in physics. There you go. That's, I think that's what this is a reference to. That's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but so the other kids are trying to figure out what they're going to do to win the science fair, and of course now they want to get Victor's secret to to reanimating animals. So simultaneously to this, Sparky is discovered by Victor's mother in the attic, which. I did crack up a few times at the portrayal of Victor's mother as basically sitting on the couch reading a book all day. <laughs> she, yeah. she, she's reading books about marriage, too, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I did find that amusing. Yeah. Even while she's vacuuming, by the way. Yeah, I guess so. That takes she's still talent. Pretty, it does. Absolutely does. But uh, she finally does find Sparky up in the attic. Uh, Victor's father comes up and finds Sparky up in the attic, and Sparky manages to escape right as Victor gets there. So Victor has to explain to his parents what he did, and of course they're upset with him, but they all go out looking for Sparky, which leaves the attic open for all the other kids to come in and figure out Victor's formula. This is bad news. Yeah, it is. It is, because then they get a really bad idea after that. Yeah, because then everybody goes and gets their pet to reanimate it. Or something other than or, a pet. Exactly. So, to run them down, not, not in any particular order, yeah. we have um, Nasser reviving Colossus. Yes, who's a hamster. Yes. <laughs> that is wrapped up like the mummy. It's yes. so funny. Ugh. We have, which, if in case you didn't know, Nasser modeled off Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff played the mummy. Yes, he did. Which yeah. is also why at the end he ends up in a sarcophagus wrapped like a mummy. Yes. That's right. The cutest hamster uh, ever. Yeah. We have Toshiaki, who gets his dead turtle, Shelley. Mary now, Shelley, author of Frankenstein. I was just going to say that. Yep, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, that's okay. We, we have Bob, who actually takes a package of sea monkeys and dumps them into his pool and hooks the lightning, up, lightning rod up to the pool. Yep. yep. Uh, Edgar gets into the school and finds a rat and hooks yep. the rat up. Yep. Uh, the weird girl takes a dead bat. Uh, unfortunately for her, her cat, Mr. Whiskers, is biting the bat at the time. Yep. So we get this, all of this is going on at the very same time when Victor and his parents are out looking for Sparky. And then Dutch Day is going on. So you yes. can see where this might be headed. Not good places, no. No, no, no. no. Because mm -hmm. the lightning strikes and we get, uh, we mentioned Colossus the mummy. We get Toshiaki's turtle becomes this Gamera looking thing. Yeah, so here's here's the here's the joke. Now I can explain why Tokiyashi looks the way he does cuz it's somewhere between Gamera and Godzilla, right? And if you did you ever see the movie Son of Godzilla? No. So Son of Godzilla has literally Godzilla's son that looks like a little comical kitty version of Godzilla. And there's these two kids in the movie, right? And they are um Japanese school kids. 
And so they run around with the shirt and the pocket protector the whole movie, and one of them has a camera out and is filming. That's who Tokiyashi is supposed to be one of those ki- – bo- both of those kids as one character, I guess. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So that's, that's what's going on there. Just, you know, it's a, it's a good one, so. And but then, of it, course, we have Bob and the Sea Monkeys. Bob and the Sea Monkeys. They everybody get all the references there? Don't they? They're, they act like gremlins. They, they act That's like gremlins. That's what my mom said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, no, it's exactly. In fact, if you remember, it's, it's a, there's, two, there's obviously this creature from the Black Lagoon and gremlins references throughout for the characters. Yeah. Um, the pool that they're in is actually a reference to both. Because first of all, the glow comes from the creature of the Black Lagoon, right? Because remember, the lagoon glows when the creature rises, right? Yes, right. Okay. And the other th- the other thing is that when it starts to bubble and toil, if you remember, that's how gremlins multiply is that you get them wet, right? And there's that's that right. scene where one of them falls in the pool, then you get, like, just a bajillion, a bajillion of them. Yes, a lot of so, gremlins. So that's, that's what's going on. You get far less sea monkeys here. But, you know, that's what it is. Now, now, as you know, the funny part about this, right, is sea monkeys don't actually look like they do on the package, but these sea monkeys do. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's a pretty funny little piece there. But <laughs> They do indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to watch Gremlins now. I'm not going to lie. Me too. The original Gremlins is good. The other yeah, sequel you can skip. One of our friends has been having a Furby lately. And and I keep thinking of gremlins. Every time I go over and see gremlins. that Furby. Yeah, just don't feed the Furby after midnight. Yes. <laughs> or get water on its back. Do you know, no. do you know what they did with Furbies now? So remember they used to have the Tamagotchi things and they kind of disappeared. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they became Furby's eyes. Whoa. Because Whoa. the current the current Furbies have digital eyes that look like Tamagotchis. That's crazy. Wow. All right, so then we have, we have Edgar and his rat creature, which we already mentioned turns into the chupacabra. Yes. Uh, and we have Weird Girl and Mr. Whiskers biting the cat, or biting the bat, which turns it into some sort of vampire-cat hybrid creature. Yeah, this was one of those things that Disney spoiled as well because they released the, the vampire-cat poster. Yes. I don't know if you had seen it, but this, is, this was a spoiled thing as well. So. Can we call it Cat Yellow? Cat what? Catchula? Catchula? Count Catchula? Count There we go. Yeah, that works. One thing we forgot to mention is that um, the weird girl thought the cat was delivering people's messages oh, yeah, the, the the cat... with the body. Oh, that's it's... disgusting. Right, we forgot that Mr. Whiskers. We forgot to mention Mr. Whiskers was supposed to be psychic. Yeah, I was. I was hoping to avoid that conversation. <laughs> that's, that was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Note: psychic pooper. <laughs> <laughs> New hashtag. Yeah, I was just thinking that same thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the hashtag for this every episode, everyone. Psychic pooper. Psychic yep, pooper. that's what's gonna so happen. Right now, pause, tweet it out, then we'll know when you're watching. And that's remember right. at this film project. Exactly. There we go. We'll wait. All right, okay. you done? Oh, All right. Great. Haha, look. Did you get the cookies? Okay, good. <laughs> all right, so the, the, the all these mutated animals start roaming through the town, taking over the town. Uh, and I, I again, this is where I feel like the marketing kind of messed things up because we knew this was going to happen as well. Because the second trailer for this, which again I've seen at least three times in the theater, 
had uh, the scene where Toshiaki runs up to Victor, who finds Sparky. He found Sparky in the graveyard because Sparky goes, and there's a little poignant scene where he sees the fact that, you know, he was dead, and he didn't quite realize that before. But Victor, you know, consoles him and is getting him out of the graveyard when Toshiaki runs up, or, excuse me, Bob runs up and says, I've got a problem, and then Toshiaki runs up and says, my problem's bigger, and that's when the Gamera creature walks by. I laugh so hard. <laughs> my problem bigger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was very right about that. It, it, now, we didn't mention it before, but the, I mean, we started to, that the gravestones are kind of clever in, like, a haunted mansion. Yeah, they are, right? yes. Cause, and I think it's when he goes to find Sparky again, it's the one gravestone changes from it, – it says goodbye, kitty, on it, which is obviously a Hello Kitty reference, but it's a gravestone, so it's goodbye, kitty. Yes, that was funny. Yeah, yeah you, you say obviously. My mom had to tell me that was a reference to Hello Kitty. I totally did not get that until she said something. I don't know why. It just wasn't clicking. I'll cop to it, Bree. Sally had to tell me. I didn't get it either. Okay, see, now I feel better about yeah, it. Yeah, it comes from being friends with Shelly, you know, all yeah. the Hello stuff, so I... There you go. Yeah, that'll <laughs> do it. Well, my daughter's a Hello Kitty freak, and I, I still didn't get it, so... Yeah. She loves her some Hello Kitty, but I, I still didn't get it. But there's there's lots of hidden stuff in the background, like when the, the all the monsters eventually converge on Dutch Day, right? As Elsa Van Helsing is singing this horrid Dutch Day song with uh, a hat that has candles on it. Lit. Lit, lit candles. candles. Lit candles. Lit wax icky. Real, lit candles real, that are yes. about to drip down her face. And and cause very bad things. And the fire chief looked like he'd been through a fire a few times. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> that, that fire chief was awful. <laughs> yes. Which it was supposed to be a zombie reference, obviously, but still. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but did you did you notice what movie was playing at when uh, the Gamera creature knocked things over past the movie theater? Yes. Well, go Cheryl. What movie? Bambi. Yep. Playing Yay! Yes, which is kind of cool. I mean, there's a couple other things we didn't mention either movie-wise, but, you know, like, like do you remember, think, going back to Victor's bedroom, do you remember what poster he had on the wall? 20,000 Leagues. Yeah. Which is, a, by the way, Tim Burton has said in interviews before, is one of his favorite Disney movies ever, which is probably why it was listed there. Can we talk yeah. about your most disappointing cemetery scene? What you felt was missing from the cemetery? What did I... What, oh, like zombies, like they no. should. What certain attraction that's in Disneyland, non Disney World? Oh yes, yes. So you know what they? You know, Tim Burton is obviously not a Mr. Toad fan, because there should have been the gravestone of Mr. Toad in the cemetery. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I, I also felt that they basically should have risen everything in the pet cemetery, not just the few things that they did. I agree. This is a problem with Disney movies. We talked about, I mean, in Hocus Pocus, think about that. Oh, you're right. You know? Same thing. Same exact problem. They just yes. have, like, raise all the zombies. That's right. If you're going to raise one, raise them all. That's what I'm saying. I know. <laughs> you could just electrify the whole graveyard. Everything comes up and starts attacking stuff. That would have been great. So basically all of the monsters converge on Dutch Day, and it's up to Victor and Sparky to try and stop them. Uh, and one by one, they're able to do so. My favorite, though, is Nasser releasing Colossus to stop Gamera. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Colossus is actually probably like Nasser and Colossus have the most monster movie references between them and they're all mummy references. That's the best part about it. I mean like literally everything. Yes. And because that moment where he goes where he goes, you know, attack, you know, that whole thing and even the rise Colossus if you just do you remember the original mummy that the guy actually like, you know, says rise cuz that's part of the formula the magic spell that he's casting? Yes. Right? And then he goes nutso, you know, that whole thing. So it's uh and then when and then the mummy flips out at the end of the movie, right? Because it's because it's pretending to be a real person and then it right? It's like the mummy. It's been a very long time, but that's like kind of what I my takeaway from the mummy right there. Hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Now I want to go watch the mummy too. I've got to, I'm going to have to make a list. <laughs> I can make it worse. You know why the fish disappears? No. Yeah, so do you remember Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man movie? What was happening to him? Yeah. He was he was he he wasn't just invisible. He was completely fading away, right? Right. Okay. So that's that's what happened to the fish. It just kept fading away until it was gone, just like he was. Oh, okay. See, that one doesn't fit in with the old Dracula, the old Frankenstein. That's why I didn't think of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Me, yeah. me and Ryan's minds, we're, we're very Turner Classic Film oriented, so no, we, I, when we see the reference, we think of that kind well, of thing. But it's got, I mean, it's got Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice references, too. So. True. 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 Very true. Yeah. But yes, NASA releases the Colossus only to have the Gamera monster stomp on it. Stomp on it. But the sea monkeys, uh, they go, they manage to get rid of the sea monkeys by putting salt on them because they pop a whole lot of popcorn. Which let me just say, when you're actually sitting in the theater eating popcorn, that scene's not as cool. It was a Jiffy Pop reference too, right? Because the t- yes. because the tent fills up like a Jiffy Pop container does, and then pops open. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> with monkey, with sea monkey goo, as well yes. as popcorn. Well, that's right, because it's a reference to whatever they put on that they call butter in the movie theater. Yes, which I don't want to know what it is, but I like it, and I really didn't want yeah to associate it with dead sea monkeys, but that's okay. Ruined for life is what you just said. Not no, not life, but it next week. Yeah, <laughs> it'll take a while to recover. Not that long. Yeah, five minutes. Five minutes yeah. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. No. Next next week I will not have butter on the popcorn, but the week after I'll be all right. There we go. Yeah. You know what? That leaves room for caramel corn now that autumn's here. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Caramel corn in your movie theater. Um, yeah. Do. I don't know if it's in ours. I'm just saying. Like, it would I mean, be- other than Cracker Jacks, which I actually I don't even think they have at movie theaters anymore. I like, like Cracker Jacks. No, we ha- we have it. I can get it at the movie theater. I'm totally jealous. You should be. My movie theaters are awesome. That's My a whole other story. At Disney World. Yours <laughs> wins. <laughs> but we have other monsters to take care of because we had so we took care of the sea monkeys. We took care of Ga- uh, Gamera gets taken care of because Victor finds a way to course electricity back through the monster, which becomes the key. Right, that's that's how you can defeat and turn these monsters back into smaller things, and that turns it back into Shelly the turtle. Uh, right. We do a similar similar activity with the were rat and. Finally, what's left is the vampire Catula, uh, because the townspeople, once they see Sparky, who has come in to try and get help, 
to try and help out, uh, they blame Victor and Sparky for all the monsters. Not unfairly so, but you know why. That We all know what's going on here. Well, because they all think that Sparky... Well, they all know Sparky was dead, so yes, this is a they little do. odd to them. You know, the other things they don't know. That's right. right. Yeah. So they know Victor brought his dog back from the dead, so he had to be responsible for everything else, which kind of indirectly he is. But so they have to chase him. He, the the cat actually uh, takes Elsa, and we get the fine mob scene of everybody chasing Sparky with their torches up to the windmill, uh, which is right out of Frankenstein the movie. Yep. And the final climactic battle is Victor trying to rescue Elsa from the cat creature while Sparky helps out, uh, and they finally are able to... Elsa gets out, Victor collapses, Sparky's able to get Victor out, uh, but Sparky has to go back in, and the the house collapses on Sparky after they, of course, defeat the the cat creature. Mm. It's so sad. I know. I was, like, almost on the verge of sobbing in the theater. I'm like, oh my god! But you know what it is, right? It's a fake Disney death. That's exactly what it is. Well, no, and I... they, have re- they have to re-resurrect him. Yes, because all the townspeople, yeah. seeing his bravery and how they, he saved them, they hook the car battery up to him and, and resurrect him. So I have, but, to, I have to debate you. It's not, it's not a fake Disney death. It was a real death. He was resurrected. Different story. That's true, you know, he, he, it is actually a death. I agree with Cheryl. Now, it's the same thing that happened in Tangled. <laughs> they jump-started him with car batteries? Yes. You didn't see that part? That wasn't in your cut of the movie? <laughs> I need to see this version. Oh, yeah, I want to see this version. Undead Flynn. <laughs> I'm just saying, Flynn Rider was dead. He says it in the opening scene of the movie, and then all of a sudden they bring him back to life with magic hair stuff. <laughs> magic hair stuff. <laughs> different. Magic is different than science. Yeah. Not according to Mr. Rice Krispie. <laughs> well, to the ignorant townspeople, yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going with another fake Disney death, but Sparky lives and we all live happily ever after, and that's no, how. No, he can't live. He's undead. No, no, he had magic hair, car battery stuff, and he's alive. <laughs> undead. He's, he's alive. alive. As Edgar no. says, he's alive. Undead. <laughs> alive. So, okay. So, so here's, here's, send your email. Send, send your vote. We'll, wait, we'll put the, wait, let's do this. We'll put this up on the Facebook page and let the listeners decide. Yeah. Vote if you think Sparky is undead or if he's alive. All right. There we go. There we I go. I think right now we're tied. Okay, so here's my question to you guys. We, we just talked about the whole movie. We talked about before we started that it was good. It wasn't great, though. So... Where did this movie lose you along the way? Because it sounds like it did for all of us. Can I be honest? Yes. Yeah. Can I go first? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So here's my problem. Um, Tim Burton stole all these jokes. That's very true. I mean, none of, none of this was original. Not for him and his own brand of originality, no matter what. Because, again, it's, he's redoing himself. But even that, this is a very... If you've seen the original Frank and Weenie, this is not just a longer version of that. 
I mean, the story is the same and similar, but there's more going on. But all the monster movies and jokes and everything like that, it's all been done already. The the disinterested parents who don't have anything in common with the kids, that's not been done a million times in a movie. And that was my biggest problem was I didn't have anything that really got me excited about this movie. Yeah. What about you, Bree? Um... So, like, you're basically asking what we did not like about it, or what we yeah, I mean, failed. Yeah, you know, was 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 there a point along the way that where you were like, where you could say, okay, this is where I didn't like it, or this is what really kind of turned me off to it? Well, to be completely honest, going into this, I was looking forward to seeing it because I always love going to see a good Disney film, especially if it's Tim Burton. But I was upset going into it to begin with because I don't enjoy films that involve pet death and ever since I saw my dog Skip when it first came out that just ruined me for life and every time an animal dies in a film it's just very difficult for me to take Um, so I knew that this would be tough for me to watch I actually did better in the theater than I thought I would but um, yeah I mean like Todd says he does copy a lot um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's just not something I would run out and buy. So. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Cheryl? You obviously did not like it. So, what was it? What was it that you kind of lost you? Um. Well, I think part of it is like Bree. Um. I also have lost. I've actually lost a dog. Me too. Um. So I think at the cemetery was one of those scenes where they lost me. Yeah. And then um. The, the teacher swap when the when they had the gym teacher in teaching the class um, basically doing nothing I was like I mean it's the you know we we had this discussion on when you could take bathroom breaks during a movie if, if you wanted to go take a bathroom break I would have just gone take a bathroom break and come back to it yeah <laughs> you know because I really think some I. I mean, like, the pet cemetery scene, I would have gone, come back. I wouldn't have missed much. And then the gym teacher scene, I felt like, you know, when she starts teaching them and, you know, they have, they're like, what are we doing? She's like, this is, this is my version of science. This is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. so, I mean, that's why I would have left and come back. So, that's... I would have... I would have been okay with missing the scene where Sparky finds out he's dead and then curls up in front of his tombstone because I pretty much started sobbing at that point. I'm not sure he understood that. See, that was my question. I'm not sure he understood he was dead. He understood he was in the cemetery. I'm not sure he was was dead. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if he knew he was dead, but he knew something was wrong. Because, you know, like up in the attic, when the parents came in, he actually broke the mirror and he looked in the mirror and, it, you know, it showed that he did not look like a normal dog. So he figured something was wrong, and that's when he went to the cemetery. But I don't know if he necessarily knew he was, I mean, he's a dog. So I don't know if he knew he was dead or if he knew something was going on, though. Mm. I don't know. Not sure. All right. I, just, I was just curious because it sounded like all of us had some issues with it. I mean, my personal issue was, um, I, I know you'll be shocked, the plot was good. I actually liked the plot and I felt like it carried the whole story through, but I didn't, I, I guess it was the marketing, I don't know. I, like, I didn't care enough about Victor and Sparky and I didn't feel like their 
story was strong enough through the whole movie. Like, we, the whole divergence into the other kids and their stuff and the giant monsters, I wasn't... It was hard for me to to really care about that going on. Like, I wanted to know more about how Victor and Sparky was going to be affecting everything. I don't know. I feel like their relationship should have been stronger in the film. I mean, he seemed like he loved Sparky, but... I know he, he seemed like he was just, you know, you know, okay, you're you're a pet I live with. You know, it wasn't a didn't seem like a true connection that one would have with their pet. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was kind of disinterested going into it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I yeah, I'm with you, Todd. I I wanted to see it, but I wasn't wasn't dying to go to the theater. I wasn't fully disappointed or anything. I I did enjoy it. I just, you know, I'm not a fan of films that make me cry, but who is, so... Wait, 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 wait. Don't you cry at every film? Okay, moving on. <laughs> this is crying in a bad way. <laughs> right. I cry in a good way, too. Okay. Yeah. I can accept that. Yeah. Like, I'm guessing they're all crying in a really good way at Record Ralph. I'm guess guessing. I'm going to cry at Wreck-It Ralph. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now. I have a feeling we all are. You guys, I cried from the trailer when I saw Bowser and Pac-Man. I mean, come on. I, I can't take the, the epic proportions of this film. Uh, all week long, I've been listening to the uh, four songs that they play in the trailers. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's Very exciting. nice. <laughs> all right, so before, before we head to... Um, before we head to Wreck-It Ralph, uh, let's rate Frankenweenie. So, Bree, you want to take it first? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> right before I actually logged online tonight, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to cry tonight because I hate talking about pet death. But you all made me laugh hysterically, and I love you all for that, so thank you. Um, but, I mean, yeah. I pretty much said how I, how I feel. I, I, I enjoyed it. I probably will not buy it on DVD, but I love Tim Burton's mind. I actually do think, I love the character of Sparky, and I do think he is one of the most endearing characters by Tim Burton, next to Edward Scissorhands. I honestly would, I, I don't think the most brilliant, because I think, I'm going to get off topic here for a second, but Lock, Shock, and Barrel from The Nightmare Before Christmas, I think they are brilliant characters. Um... And they're one of some of my favorites from uh, from Tim Burton, but I do enjoy this, and I'll watch it again in the future, just not soon. Um, I'm going to give this a three point five. All right, three and a half from Bree. Cheryl, what'd you think? I've been thinking long and hard about this one since I left the theater. Luckily, my I I don't know if I want to be mur- mur- murdered by Tim Burton fans or um. Our listeners are not. So, um, originally, why I walked out of the theater was 1.5. But, going through the podcast, going through my thoughts again on the movie, I'm willing to up it to, t- to 2.1. Wow, I think that's the first point one we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> It's impressive. It's, it's not enough to be a point five, <laughs> but it's not. It's 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 definitely more than a two. I would I I would rent it. I I, mean, I would buy it. Todd and I would probably watch it once, then we pa- package it up, ship it off to my brother-in-law, who would love it for life. 
<laughs> Got it. All right, Todd. First, I just want to take a quick thing. You know, we forgot to mention that Catherine O'Hara was actually in the movie, Bree. We did. This is very true. That's right. Your Beetlejuice. Yeah, well, you also you just mentioned Lock, Shock, and Barrel, and she's Shock as well. So. Oh, that's right. Okay. So. That's what made that's what made me click there. I was like, oh yeah, we forgot to mention her completely. Yeah. Her, her and Winona Ryder, the Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim Burton definitely has reuse factor going on in this movie, so definitely. for sure. He usually. Um, and it, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, my problem was is going into this movie, I felt I knew everything I needed to know about it because of the trailers. Yep. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they held anything back. And I think that was a, probably a mistake. That's probably why the movie theaters aren't packed with people to see this movie. Mm. I, I honestly just feel that way. I mean, we've already said all our comments about it, so I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't excited about the movie going in, and the movie did not take me away from not being excited. It didn't do anything to excite me. It was just kind of something I watched. Now, uh, that said, I really did actually enjoy all the monster movie references in the movie. You know, they, they were what I really, really liked best about the movie is, despite that I'd seen them all already, because anytime monster movies are so easily made fun of. So, um, but for me, I'm going with a two and a half. All right. Well, I mean, like you said, Todd, we've said it all. I mean, I think... For me, I think I probably enjoyed this a little more than the rest of you guys, it sounds like, because um, I'm, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely more of what I want from Tim Burton. Like, I would prefer he make movies like this that have the narrative that flows all the way through, has some characters that are quirky but have a good heart, you know, that sort of thing. There just wasn't enough depth to it for me. Mm. And I, I, like I said, I didn't care as much about Victor and Sparky as I kind of thought I, I needed to to make it work, so I will give it a three. Before we um, sign out, I just wanted to mention if you're um, interested in Frankie Frank and Wee merchandise, um, On The Go and MCO will be having a, a blog post, and we'll link to it when it gets up, of all the Frank and Wee merchandise so you can go over and get over Magic Kingdom. But yours that. truly. So that will do it for this week's episode, talking about Frank and Weenie. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, or if you did, go check out the show notes and and go see what we have over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter when the when the episode comes out. Like like Todd said, it's at DisFilmProject. And what's the hashtag, Todd? Psychic Pooper. That's right. Tweet us, and we'll know you're listening to the show. Or uh, go over to Facebook, ask us questions. And, and you never know what's going to happen. We've had two people now who've commented on Facebook end up on the show. So it, I'm just saying, it's magic. It could happen to you. So go over to Facebook and find Disney Film Project there. Go vote. Uh, Hurry that's up. That's right. Go vote in our poll for our Listener's Choice episode while you're over there. All the electrons are saying, I am leaving you. I go to the land of opportunity. It says no death rays. That's okay, boy. I can fix that, too. The best dog a kid could have.